Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. And if you need a Bible this morning, I see the ushers are already moving. Just wave at them. Maybe you left your Bible at home or in the car. Just wave at them if you'd like to have a copy. And turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. That's the primary place we'll be today. There'll be a lot of scripture that I'll give. Um, Some of them won't even be on the overhead, just some things I'll probably just quote for you or or give the reference. Um, If you take notes or you want to jot those things down, you can. Um, But Ephesians 4 is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. Today we're going to talk about edifying one another. Edify one another. Edify is an interesting word. As a matter of fact, edify um, is kind of the root word of another word we're used to, edifice. Uh, It has the idea of building. Uh, Literally, if we edify someone, we are building or building them up. Um, and, And the scripture talks a lot about this idea of building up. And it talks about doing it in a one primary way. There are other ways you can edify. But when it talks about edification, there is a primary way that you'll see over and over again in the New Testament. We're going to talk about that this morning. I want you to look at a few verses with me uh, as we get. And by the way, some of these, if you just want to jot them down, you don't even have to turn there. I'm not going to I'm not going to spend a lot of time other than just to show you that this really is a concept that's all through the New Testament. In Acts chapter nine and verse thirty one, they talk about the church. This is right after Paul's conversion. And it says that there was that uh, there was peace. And the church was being built up in Acts 9.31. In Romans 15.2, it says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says that, um, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It edifies. 1 Corinthians 14.3, 1 Corinthians 14.5, 2 Corinthians 10.8, 2 Corinthians 12.19, Ephesians 2.21, Ephesians 4.12, I could go on and on, and somebody said that's too many. Just suffice it to know, this is a concept that is all over the New Testament. Build up. How many of you are builders? You build things. There's a few of you. I have great respect um, for you, those who do that. Um, I have built a few things uh, in my life. I don't know that I'm very good at it, and I generally lose patience uh, somewhere along the way. And, um, and destroy it instead of build it up. But, um, but there are certain skills that are required in being a builder, in building something up. And the Apostle Paul talks about that. I want you to see some of these verses this morning with me that we will take time to look at. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. So we are builders with him. We are co-redeemers in a way. Now you say, wait, 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 what are you talking about, Troy? I don't mean that we save people. He's the only one who saves. But he has chosen in his sovereign providence to include you and me in the process of building other people up. He says, I want you to come to it. As a matter of fact, the, one of the primary ways that the Lord wants to build other people up is through you and through me. That's how he wants to do it. We are his fellow workers in this. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together, edified 
into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This building process is not just about you being built up. It is about one another being built up. It is an us. You notice this here in Ephesians 2. It, we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Romans 14 and verse 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding or building up, edifying. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. By the way, I like that because it doesn't mean that you're not already building it up, but there's an encouragement to realize, hey, this is what life is all about. Keep on doing it. Keep growing in this building one another up. Be engaged in it. Be part of it. See it as part of your calling because it is to build one another up. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then? Brothers, literally men, women, it's included in that term. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Any gift that the Holy Spirit gives to you has a purpose in the church. What is that purpose? It is to build up, lift up, not tear down. If you feel like you had the gift of discouragement or of a sharp tongue, it did not come from the Holy Spirit. All right? It is a gift from another place. All right. Ephesians, this is where we're going to camp for a while. Ephesians chapter 4. By the way, can I go back? I had a picture in there, and I, I was going through all this. And I would probably even show it, so I'll, I'll back up if you don't, if we can, Joy, if it, it will back up. Years ago, I worked for this ministry, and we would, they would give out these little buttons, they were little white buttons that you put on your lapel, and it, they look just like that, P-B-P-G-I-N-F-W-M-Y. Well, of course, you see that on somebody, and you come up and you say, what does that mean? Obviously, it's not English. What is that? Well, it is English, it's, but each letter representing a word. Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Here's the thing about this. As you look at edifying in the New Testament, you're going to see this concept. See, unlike, well, I guess some building projects go on forever. Some of you may have some of those at your home that have been going on for year after year. But typically, we finish building projects. Um, Lord willing, you know, the project we're working on here, it'll be finished in a few months, Lord willing. And so you, you, you come to a completion of that particular project. But in this edifying, in this building project, you and me, the building keeps on going. We keep being built up. We keep being, we are under construction. And we're always under construction. Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. We are still, Ephesians chapter 2, when it says that we are saved by grace through faith, and that of ourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then it says, because we are his workmanship, ongoing. We are his ongoing workmanship, created for good work. He has a plan for us. But this working that he's doing, this construction that he's doing in our life is ongoing, continuous. This is important. Because if you're going to be used to the Lord to help edify other people, you're going to have to recognize that about yourself and about them that you are works in progress, that you are under construction, and so are they. 
Otherwise, you're going to have unrealistic, unrealistic expectations of other people, and you're going to have unrealistic expectations of yourself. You have to believe that you are still under construction, and so are they. Many, many people in the body of Christ have been hurt because we had unrealistic expectations about what was supposed to happen because we're believers of Christ, because we've heard truth, because we say certain words, and we have not considered or even believed the fact that we, all of us, are still under construction. We're still being built. We're still being changed. We're still being transformed. From 1 Corinthians 3 says, from glory to glory until we see Jesus face to face. Roman, oh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at it for a little bit. Because I want to get right to the heart of this message. I mean, we could sit here and you say, well, how do you build people up? And we could come up with a thousand different things and the Lord, the Holy Spirit might prompt you at different times. You could build someone up um, with a meal. You could build someone up by doing some kind of service for them. You could build them up by taking care of something. I mean, there are all kinds of ways that the Lord, the Holy Spirit may prompt you to build someone up. But the primary way that the New Testament talks about building up is to build them up with your words. It is the primary way that Scripture says that we are to build one another up. Why? Because Proverbs tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know, according to James, that apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, you have hell in your mouth. You got hell in there. According to James, you say, what? That's what James says. He says the tongue is an unruly member set on fire of hell. You got hell in your mouth. Under the power of the Holy Spirit. You have an incredible tool to be used in the process of building up, of encouraging, of strengthening. But how do we do it? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 through 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're going to come back to that, by the way, truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped or with which it is built up. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All right. He says, I want you to build this part. Paul doesn't want us to. God wants us to. He's writing this under inspiration and saying, our role as believers is to build, and not just for believers. We do it first in, at, at home, first among our family, first among the church, which sometimes is the hardest place to do it because we have, have higher expectations of one another. You know, have you ever found that it's easier to treat lost people better than it is to treat your brothers and sisters? Because we don't expect as much out of lost people. So he says, I want you to start there, building one another up. This is how the church builds itself up in love. It's how it grows. It's how it's strengthened. It's how it's transformed. How we do this one, and we do it with our words. But notice in verse 15, he says, I want you to speak truth in love. There's two goalposts. All right? It's a football analogy. Two goalposts. 
Now, if you were to look at a goalpost, I forget the exact dimensions between the bars on a goalpost, but it's roughly the size from this end of the platform to here. And you think, oh, getting a football through that space, no big deal. I mean, I could give you a football if I moved all the people and put you right back there at the door. You think, man, I could kick it through that space. That's no big deal. But what if I put you at the playground and ask you to kick it through there? What if I put you 50 yards away and said, now kick it through that same space? That, that space that seems so large, it's much, much smaller, much more difficult. But when we're building up with our words, we have these goalposts. And sometimes we feel like, oh, that's no big deal to do truth and love. But you're going to find, as you get more involved in this process of edifying, it's a really, you're more like you're kicking a field goal from the, from the playground than you are from in here. It seems much more difficult. We tend to go either one way or the other. Truth, but no love. Love. And no truth. Truth without love it's dead legalism. It's dead ceremony. It has no life. It just brings death. It may even be true, but it's death. Remember, it's a classic line now in American culture. A line from a movie years and years ago, um, A Few Good Men. You guys know that immediately probably comes to your mind if you've ever seen it. You know the line that comes. Jack Nicholson makes that statement. You can't handle the truth, right? Some of us go through life that way. I'm going to tell them the truth. I don't care whether they can handle it or not. I'm going to give them the truth. By the way, Jack Nicholson does not represent the Holy Spirit or his work in any way in that movie. Okay? If you say, yeah, that's who I am, then you're wrong. But sometimes we go through life just one goalpost. Just one side. I'm going to give you the truth. I don't care. It's just the truth. Truth without love. It's dead orthodoxy. Love without truth is empty sentimentalism. I can't even say the word. It's empty sentiment. It's empty. You can make them feel better, but because you didn't give them any truth, they aren't really any better. You come to me and you're bleeding out. And I pat you on the head and, you know, give you a kiss and a hug and I say, oh, you're all better. Oh, you know, I, I, I may make you somehow in one sense feel better, but I'm not helping you because you're still bleeding out. There's no truth. I have to encourage you and care about you at the same time address with truth, the issue that's going on. This is how we edify one another. Truth and love together. It's a challenge. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, you'll never do it. Because we tend to go to one extreme or the other. And it's not just whether we tend to be prone more to truth or love. It's also our own experience. So now, maybe I temper truth because of what I've gone through. Or maybe I don't love because of what I've gone through. And so we bring all of our own stuff into these relationships. He says, if you're going to build one another up 
and you're going to do it with your words. It's going to have to be a practice every day by the work of the Spirit in you to speak truth and love together. Now I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you some practical things on how to do that here in just a minute. But look with me further in this chapter. Down verse 20, 29, I believe. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. What is corrupting? That which rots and putrefies. I'm going to say it in a gross way. All right? Don't pour maggots into your conversation. Corrupting. Corrupting. Vile. That which devours and destroys. Come out of, don't let it come out of your mouth. But only such as is good for building up. As it fits the occasion, this is another thing, Lord, give me wisdom, because sometimes I shouldn't say anything. It doesn't fit the occasion. There are other times where you're prompting me to speak truth and love. Lord, give me the wisdom, the discernment to know the difference. As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What's your favorite food? You're thinking about it right now. I just said it and you're thinking about it. Plus, it's getting close to lunchtime. All right. And so you begin thinking, about, oh, this is my favorite. Oh, you can taste it, can't you? I mean, hmm. And if you really, if you really have a vivid imagination, you just start moaning a little bit. I mean, it's just, you know, it's good. You, you're, you're picturing that. I love that food. I love the way it tastes. I love the flavor. I love the way it makes me feel. What does he say here? When you speak, I want you to season your words with grace. So that when other people eat them, they taste good. They taste good. Now, that doesn't mean it's always easy to hear. But it means that when I receive it, when I do hear it, I recognize, you know what? There's grace all over this. That this person who's speaking to me, they're not trying to hurt me. They're not trying to harm me. They're not trying to attack me. There is grace that's being spoken. And you say, yeah, that's what I need. And I know this person, this person, this person, they need to talk that way. Why don't you get in touch with them? And I realize we can think of the people right now who don't talk to us that way. I'm not talking to them this morning. I'm talking to you. All right. So let's start with us and let's let our speech be seasoned with grace. And let's God, let God deal with the people who don't talk that way. Because you can't do anything about them. I can't do anything about them. I can pray. But I can't make them. I can't change them. I can't convince them. But I can change the way I talk. The way I speak. You say, well, it's my family situation, Troy. I mean, it's just the way we talk in our family. Well, maybe the way your family talked was wrong. Ever thought about that? Are you saying my family's wrong? I'm not saying anything. I'm saying if we don't talk like this, God's saying we're wrong. You say, well, we, you know, sarcasm and criticism are just the language of our family. That's just how we do it. Okay, I get that. But what if you did it a different way? What if we allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through us in a different way? You'd say, well, first of all, most of them would probably have a heart attack and fall over dead. Well, as long as they know the Lord, it's a promotion. So. I'm telling you. This is the hardest thing, in my opinion, it's one of the hardest things we'll ever do in walking out the Christian life. 
is to have the Holy Spirit in charge of our tongue. More damage is done by the tongue than probably anything else in life. And the Lord says, I want in this in this one another thing, I want you to build one another up. I want you to love one another. I want you to welcome one. I want you to do all that. But there is a key instrument involved in all of these that kind of tie them all together. And it is our words. Our words. My grandmother used to say, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's that's good advice as far as it goes. But sooner or later you have to speak. All right? So I don't want to just go through life mute, all right? Why is he not talking? Well, he has nothing nice to say, all right? <laughs> so his grandmother told him he couldn't speak until he had something nice to say. He hasn't spoken in 47 years. <laughs> no. The goal is, is that we would edify with our words. Hey, we, are, we are creatures of communication. Jesus identif- identified himself as the word. Words are important. Very, very important. He says, I just want to empower them. I want to flavor them. I want them to, I want when other people to eat them, they have the flavor of God on them. Why is this so important? All right, this is hard. This can be hard to hear. It's hard for me to say. It's hard for me to receive it. But this isn't just about your relationship with other people. If you and I don't grow in this, we have messed up our relationship with the Lord. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve Him? By the words that we speak. What does it mean when we grieve Him? We made Him sad. We have made it heavy. We have, in a sense, taken the very power that is at work within us, pushed Him into a corner. Now, are we lost? No. We still say, absolutely. Does God still love us? Absolutely. Are we walking in the fullness of power that he wants us to experience? Very doubtful. Because how can you do that if you grieve the very one who gives you the power to walk that way? This isn't just about communicating with each other. This is directly connected with our communication with him and our relationship with the Lord. But I'll tell you something, if you're really serious about this, if you and I are serious about it and we ask the Holy Spirit to just keep teaching and pointing out, he will faithfully do that much to your chagrin. All right. He will be diligent to point out your words and things and and bring that sense of heaviness when stuff comes out that he wasn't involved in. He'll show you. I can't tell you how many times. I have had to go back to my children. And it's hard as their dad. Because let's face it, they're wrong more than they're right. All right? That's just the, that's just the way it is. They're kids. I love them, but let's just face facts here. And it's hard for me to go back and say, you know what? Those words, there was truth that I was trying to communicate to you, but those words were wrong. That spirit was wrong. That attitude was wrong. I was wrong. The Holy Spirit's faithful to show you. He'll show you in your family. He'll show you in your, with your workers, with your co-workers. He'll show you in your church family. He'll show you in every part of life. He'll bring it to light if you ask Him. Say, 
teach me how to edify with my words. Teach me how to build up, not to tear down. Now, I told you I'd give you some practical stuff, and I'm going to do that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Here's some questions that the Lord has me ask often about my words. And I'm going to share them with you, all right? I'm not going to keep them to myself. I'm going to share them with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know it is the love chapter. We are to build one another up in love. We are to have our words seasoned with grace. We are to speak truth and love together. All right. So love is a key component of, of our words and how we're communicating. How do I know that I'm speaking truth and love together? Not just, not just my truth. Not just what I want to say in the moment. Here's some questions we can ask. Begin with me in verse 4. Love is patient. And when I'm speaking right now to whoever I'm speaking to, and I'm communicating what I think to be truth and love, am I patient or impatient while I'm speaking? Oh, this gets me with my kids all the time. Because most of the time I find that when I'm speaking, I'm impatient. I'm trying to produce a result quickly. They are hindering me in some way. They are disrupting the flow. They are standing in the way of what I envisioned and I am impatient for it to be fixed and fixed quickly. If you speak with impatience, you are not speaking in love according to 1 Corinthians 13. Are you kind? Love is patient and it's kind. We joke about this as men, when you've had your wife ask you, she put something on, does this make me look fat? Or, does, or how do I look in this? And you're caught between a rock and a hard place. How do you answer that question? Always with kindness. Always with kindness. Honey, I'd love you no matter what you wear. Wouldn't make any difference to me. Because ultimately... It's not about, well, the truth is, you know. No. Love is kind. I don't want to hurt you. If you're asking my honest opinion about, do I prefer this one over that one? I'll tell you, I prefer this one over that one. By the way, ladies, that's easier for us as men. Please don't give us these abstract theological you know, things. Do you like this one better or this one better? I like this one better. Well, then you'll pick that one and go on, all right? you're going to disagree with but that's all right we don't care i'm happy either way love is patient it's kind love does not envy it doesn't envy so am i speaking truth to you because really in my heart i'm envious of you or what you have or where you are or there's something i cut something i want and so what i'm speaking to you supposedly in truth is really coming from a place of envy. It does not boast. If I speak truth in love, it's not boastful. It's not about me. I'm not trying to build myself up in the truth that I am sharing with you. I mean, isn't this a good list? It's very practical. It's not arrogant. 
I know better than you. If you just do what I do, if you just make the choices I make, you wouldn't have all this problem. It's an arrogance about that. It's a pride. It's not rude. That speaks for itself. Truth is not rude. Not if it's spoken in love. By the way, it's rude to speak something factual about another person when everybody with you can laugh, but they can't. That's rude. That's not loving. I think I've shared this illustration before through the years, but it bears repeating, and you may, be, you may have not heard it, but I have a dear, dear friend who um, challenges me, has always through the years, I've known him since I was about 21 years old, and he has challenged me by his walk with the Lord and his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And a number of years ago, he and his wife and Lori and I were riding in a car, and we pulled up next to this other car, and there was someone next to us, a young person next to us, who did some very unusual things with their hair and face. And I mean, just spikes and colors and and stuff everywhere. I mean, it was it was unusual. And and so I looked over and I started laughing and making fun of, thinking, "Oh, this is funny, and we'll all get a good laugh out of this." And my friend was in the car, and he bowed his head. He just dropped his head. And, and I could see he was just, it was like he was in pain. And I said, Matthew, what's, what's wrong with you? And he goes, Troy, it hurts me that you, would, that you would say that about him. He's like, but he looks like a freak. He goes, Troy, you know nothing of his story. And regardless of how he looks, Jesus loves him. He's a good kind of friend to have, my friend. Don't be rude. If you and others can laugh, but they can't join you, it's rude. It does not insist on its own way. Boy, that catches me every time. My truth often involves my own way. I want what I want. If you are speaking from a place of I've got to get my own way, you are not speaking truth in love. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It doesn't get happy when somebody else messes up. It rejoices with truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Love never fails. It never ends. When you're having to have a difficult conversation with someone that you care about, that you want to build up, this is a great checklist to go back through. Even before you talk to them and say, Lord, would you reveal my heart? Am I displaying any of these things? If I am, that's got to be dealt with because I can't speak the truth in love if I'm arrogant, if I'm rude, if I'm fighting for my own way, if I'm going any of these things. If I'm envious or boastful, I can't speak the truth in love. Because love doesn't look like that. Now, I have been told some hard stuff in my life. 
people who've spoken into my life. And they've told me some things that are hard to hear. Some have not loved me or cared about me. And I just had to endure it. But there are those that you know love you. And even though they have spoken hard things to me, my life has been changed because of it. Because of the way that they cared enough to speak truth, but to love me while they were speaking. They weren't after their own agenda. They weren't trying to accomplish their own goals. They simply wanted what's best for me. Now, here's the other thing. Because they were patient in it, they weren't forcing an outcome right then. So I didn't have to respond immediately the way they wanted They still loved me. They didn't cut me off. They didn't change the truth. They didn't justify my bad behavior or my wrong thinking. They simply spoke the truth and loved me. Folks, there is nothing that we'll talk about in these one another's that's more difficult than what we're talking about this morning. Nothing. But when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of our tongue, there will be revival. God didn't say that. I just said it. But I believe it. You will see a work of God in ways that we probably, most of us have not seen in our lifetime when God has control of His people's tongue. Which is what He wants. Build one another up with your words but edify with words that are seasoned with grace. Speak truth, but speak it in love. You say, Troy, matter of fact, I probably will have a number of you hit hit me right after and say, well, what about this situation? What about, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't know, ask Him. But if it's bothering you, He's probably already talking, all right? So don't come to me to get relief. I'm not Rolades, all right? I'm not giving relief. I can't go to Him. I promise you, if you go to him honestly and say, I want to know, Holy Spirit, I want you to show me, he will show you. I promise you. And it will not be a mystery. You may not like it, but he will show you. So you don't need someone else to confirm. It's not bad to have other people speak into your life. All right? And if you've gone before the Lord and you've really gotten your heart to a place where I really want to know the truth and there's still maybe a little confusion on your part, yes, you can speak to others. Wise counsel is always a good thing. But start with Him. Before you run to your friend, before you run to your teacher, your pastor, go to Him. and Say, are you speaking to me about this? You brought it to my mind. Are you, it came to my mind. Did you bring it? Are you speaking to me about this? And how do you want me to change it? How do you want me to correct? And by the way, the best tool I've ever found when you mess up, because I have messed up a ton, I usually speak first and think later. Okay? Some of you are better at thinking first and speaking, but I, I, I shoot from the hip. All right? And so I have messed up a lot. So these simple words are very, very important. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I was wrong. Not, I was wrong, but you were wrong too. We both know we both had said some things we shouldn't have. No, that's arrogance. There's no humility in that. I was wrong, period. Will you forgive me? You say, well, Troy, they were wrong. Let, let the Holy Spirit deal with them just like he's dealing with you. 
He's capable of doing that. Don't you believe it? He's capable of dealing with them. Let him deal with them. And even if they never respond to it, you'll be free. Because you will have done what he asked you to do. And then we use our tongues to build one another up. I'm going to ask the team to come back. And as they come. I want you to close your eyes with me for a moment. Not because it's spiritual or anything like that. I just just to kind of tune everything out. Just close your eyes. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. You say, well, I'm not comfortable asking the Holy Spirit. Well, then ask Jesus. I don't care. Ask the Father. They're all God. All right? Ask them. Ask whoever. Ask them, Is there are there words right now that you want to reveal to me that were not spoken in truth and love? With my spouse, with my children, with my family, my co-workers, with my church family. With the person I don't even know who's in that car and I yelled things at them. Not that I would have ever done that, but maybe you did. All right. Just ask him. And if he shows you and it involves other people, would you simply say, Lord, I'm willing by your power to make that right? I'm willing just to go and say, you know what? Those words were wrong. That attitude was wrong. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And by the way, you're not demanding their forgiveness. You're simply asking if they don't give it, that's between them and the Lord. You simply say, I understand. I don't deserve it. I understand. And I have one other prompting this morning that I'll share with you. Could you create an altar in your mind? Whatever an altar looks like to you, that place of sacrifice, could you create it in your mind? And could you lay yourself on that altar, but can you highlight your tongue, put a big circle around it, or have it be extra big or something, but highlight it in some way? Lord, I am bringing myself to you as a living sacrifice, but in particular, my tongue. I lay it on the altar, and I'm asking you to fill it. You fill my tongue. You fill my heart with your spirit, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Fill me with your spirit. And Lord, we pray with David, put a bridle on our tongue, on our mouths. Put a bridle on my mouth, Lord. Cause me to pause before I just speak. Lord, I want to be used to edify, to build up. And when I'm not sure I can do that in the moment, then Lord, just give me the grace to be quiet until you prepare my heart, prepare my mind 
to be able to edify. Lord, cause us to never run away from the truth, your truth. We never, we never deny it. We never run away from it. We don't make apologies for it. But Lord, we want to speak it in love. And Lord, help us be open to you when others don't receive it in love. They don't think we're speaking it that way. Cause us to go back to you, Lord, and, and do this process. That, Lord, are we? Is there anything you want to show us where we're not communicating in love? God, bring revival among your people. I believe that it will start by the work of your spirit, doing a work in our heart that affects our tongue. And when we're in doubt, Lord, remind us, we can go back to 1 Corinthians 13 and just look through that list just to make sure that there's love there's love that's carrying the message of truth. Cause us to love one another more than we love ourselves. And Lord, I realize that everything we've talked about this morning is impossible. I can't do it. I've tried to do it in my own strength. I can't. I think most of us acknowledge that. And there may be some who still think they can, but Lord, they will soon find out they cannot. So, Lord, we are dependent upon you to do this work, but we're also confident that you will. That's what you want to do. So we are surrendered to you to do what only you can do. And, Lord, help us be gracious with one another when we mess up because we are under construction. We're still being finished. Our salvation is complete. But this transformation is still ongoing. So Lord, give us patience with ourselves and with each other. Lord, thank you. In a moment, we're going to close in a song. And uh, we'll have prayer partners here at the front. We do every week. If there's anything going on in your life, we could pray. Maybe you came forward earlier and you'd like to pray some more specifically with someone about whatever's on your heart, that's what we're here for. We love that privilege to be able to pray with you, to use our tongues to build up, not to tear down. And that's the privilege we have in prayer to be able to do that. But never forget this, by the way, this is just a PS to the message. You can tear down even in your prayer, so you want to apply all this even when you're praying. We can communicate unholy messages while we're praying. We don't want to do that. I'm not saying our prayer partners do that. I'm just saying we can do that as a people. They don't do that. I'm just saying we can. So Lord, help us that in all that we say, in what we communicate to you, in the presence of others, Lord, all of it, truth that's couched in love. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead as we see you at work in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said...